0: This is SportsCenter. Hello there, I'm Mark Robbins. So pick your storyline from the NBA Friday. Donovan Mitchell suffering a low ankle injury in Utah's win over Indiana. Mitchell will have an MRI done today. The Sixers and the Clippers, seven-game winning streak. Maybe it was the Knicks game in Dallas against the Mavs. Julius Randle, one-on-one with Kleba. Randle, into the paint, spins, fadeaway jumper is good! Orange and blue Julius. He has been big tonight here in Big D.
1: Knicks lead it by 10 with a minute 35 remaining.
0: Oh, all the fun on 9870 SPN New York. Randall finishing with 44 in the victory. In baseball last night, the Padres may have lost to the Dodgers in 12 but they win when they get this guy back in the lineup. Have to be
2: careful with Tatis Jr. Here's the 2-1, fastball hit in the air, straight away center field and deep. Taylor going back, he's at the wall, it's gonna go! Fernando Tatis Jr., welcome back! Collects his 100th career RBI in style, and puts the Padres in front, 2-1 in the fifth.
0: All that explanation on 93-7, the fan Fernando Tatis Jr., back from the 10-day injured list. The Dodgers did beat the Padres in 12, 11-6. The Rays beat the Yankees 8-2. Yankees are 5-8 and, and in last place in the American League East. The Phillies beat the Cardinals 9-2. Marlins over the Giants 4-1. And at 16 under par, Stewart Sink has a five-shot lead over Corey Connors after two rounds of the RBC Heritage Classic. Coming up now, Darian Mel. We're back on Monday, and we'll be just one day from doing our mock draft. So we'll ask Matt Miller if Justin Fields has passed Mac Jones as the number three overall quarterback. Keyshawn, J. Will and Zubin, ESPN Radio. Mel on ESPN radio and on the ESPN
3: app.
2: Good. Saturday to you. Darian Mel, ESPN radio, ESPN app. Always good to have you with us. Always presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests appear. Via the Goodyear hotline. Mel, it's it's going back to the future. Blast from the past. Why would I say that today, Mel? Why?
4: Four-hour extravaganza?
2: Four hours of power. On a Saturday. We're not leaving you after the third quarter.
4: We're finishing the game. We're playing a full four quarters today, and it's a pre-draft, basically one of our pre-draft shows. We're going to have two of those, obviously, this right. week and next week. So we're going to have a lot of caller segments, a lot of draft talk, and uh, a lot of intrigue because we don't know yet who the third pick's going to be, Dari.
2: We don't, and that drama keeps building. And I want to get there, but I want to get there in a minute because, mm-hmm. you know, we want to start, and oh, by the way, I should tell the people here with our four-hour extravaganza, this will be a first. Here we are, Mel. What year of the show are we in right now? Like year 11, right? We're in year 11. You know what we've never done? We've never gone until 2 o'clock Eastern time before. Our show oh, used to start it. We've never gone until 2 Eastern. We're going to 2 Eastern, taking you up to baseball. Um, but we also have never done this. Three Kuipers callers segments. Three chances for you to ask Mel whatever draft question you want. I have said... If we don't get to how many total Kuyper's callers, Mel? How many you, did I say? You told me,
4: uh, you told me 30, which was if a little rich, we, little rich for me.
2: If we don't get to 30, it is a massive failure on our part. 30. 30 of you should be able to call and ask Mel whatever draft question you want. The first one of those comes your way. Eh, we're going to make you wait a little bit. 11.45 Eastern. 11.45 East Coast time. Okay. Trevor Lawrence got married last week, right? And we had this great conversation off the air about how well, how, how great his hair looked. Okay, and Emily because he allows
4: person, it to dry
2: naturally. That's Emily right. Said. right, Emily. Our, no blow drying. Emily, you you noticed what now about his hair? That his hair's got just nice flow, and it's also just so natural, and it's got good color. Yes, again, but, I am jealous, very right, jealous. But, of no, his no we all but know he that. He also came in with wet hair. That's was, what I'm talking. I think he didn't blow dry his hair before his wedding.
4: Want me to give you a little fun fact here? Well, Give you are the fun. master
2: of hair. Every I am. So my hair
4: was really I, – I, I'm just thinking about this. Seriously, this is true. When my hair was thick, okay, it was thick, Emily, and I used to <laughs> never, ever blow dry my hair. It was thick <laughs> hair, right? And I would just let it dry naturally, Okay. And I stopped doing that at some point in time, and it's gradually been thinning out ever since. Oh, and that was the blow drying. When you let it dry naturally, your hair does not thin out. I can prove that because that oh, was okay. me. My hair did not start to thin out until I started to blow dry it every time.
2: But you're telling me blow drying your hair started costing you hair. Is what yes. you're saying? No oh. question. I wonder if that's a fact. Could we get a like? I, I trust you on this. I wonder if that's a uh, an actual scientific. Provable fact. I mean if we have any hairdressers, hairstylists listening to us, hit me up at ESP and on Twitter.
4: Well it's funny, though When I used to go to I the want, hairstylist, I just want to verify.
2: Right. I would like well, opinions on
4: this. When I went to the hairstylist, they all wanted to blow dry it and, and I said nope, 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 just let it let it go. Don't but because I never liked the way they did it. So I just liked it to dry naturally anyway. When I had it really long, which Emily hates long hair, that's why Kim also agrees with me. Emily. She hates long hair. And I remember, John Wildhack, the now the AD at Syracuse, was covering the draft, was producing a draft up at ESPN, the NFL division, and John loved Kim because. She finally got my hair cut, and he hey, tried to get me to cut it, never did. Steve Anderson tried to get me to cut it, never did. Kim came <laughs> along said, I hate long hair. I'm not dating unless you cut it. I'll cut it if I have to. Oh. She did and made John Wilde hack happy, and the rest is history.
2: I love it. ESPN executives, past and present. Your names are being mentioned here at 10.06 in the morning on uh, on Saturday. I love it. I got you <laughs> few love more I I, few names I can throw out there. We all got, they all
4: hated my long hair. Did hair,
2: they? Back. Did they really? Yeah. Oh, every one of them. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, Back to our topic here. By the way, we got four hours to get off topic, and we'll do it plenty of times here. Plenty of times. Let's get and, back and to this, Trevor. Let's get back Trevor, to Trevor,
4: one pick in the draft.
2: Trevor, in the wet hair on his wedding day, also this week had a pro day. Now, there is people. There are people whining uh, about something he said in an article. It wasn't a pro day. He had an article in Sports Illustrated. They wrote an article about Trevor. And in this article, they asked him about motivation, drive, the old chip on the shoulder type thing. And here's what he said. I'm going to read this quote from Trevor Lawrence, not Pro Day, in an article on Sports Illustrated. We'll get into a Pro Day next segment. It's hard to explain that because I want people to know that I'm passionate about what I do and it's really important to me. But I don't have this huge chip on my shoulder that everyone's out to get me and I'm trying to prove everybody wrong. That's what he said per Sports Illustrated. It's Michael Rosenberg. I just don't have that. I can't manufacture that. I don't want to. And Trevor's dad added, he's not award driven. He's not, I want to win a Super Bowl at all costs. And there are some out there that feel that is a legitimate knock on Trevor Lawrence. Mel, you have talked to NFL people for years. Would this be a knock on Trevor Lawrence? I'm not saying Jacksonville's not going to take him number one. We all know that's going to happen. But is this a knock on Trevor Lawrence? Inside? Well, let's just dive into
4: what he said okay let's break it down as i say the comment how can you have a chip on your shoulder when you've always been when you the guy, always you've been win, number one. You've always yes. won. You win a national title as a freshman. You're the number one quarterback coming out of high school. You win right away. You never lose hardly any games. Somebody losing his career three.
5: Maybe he had three yeah, losses right. his whole career.
4: Right. Yeah. Okay, uh, he's he's considered the guaranteed number one pick from the time he stepped on that Clemson campus. Right. Yeah. To me, how how can he said I can't manufacture? Now, where how does do the, the, the chip come from? The chip comes from people doubting you and hating no, you and yeah. being skeptical about you. Okay, I played with a chip my whole career because people have hated me since I I walked into ESPN back oh, in 1983. Okay? Don't say that, Mel. It's true, I had haters, and that dad- everybody said, "Why are you even on TV? Find another job. Find stuff. Get a real job." So I've been dealing with this with the draft reports and everything since I started. So you go out with you go out to prove these people wrong. Justin Fields is trying to prove them wrong. Justin yeah. Fields has a chip because he's now considered a quarterback that isn't going to go as high as maybe he thought he should. Those are the Aaron Rodgers dropping into the 20s immediately got a chip, chip. okay? Yep. And he still plays with it. He still yeah. plays jo- with it. Josh Allen dropping to the 7th pick, two quarterbacks going ahead of me, Justin Herbert, third quarter. These guys will develop a little bit of a chip even if it wasn't there. Bottom line is Trevor's never had a chance to develop a chip. So that's go that part I don't care about, right? Let's live, elite, move on from that. Then you go to the Award-driven. His father said he's not award-driven. I don't want anybody award-driven. You don't, you don't do anything in life for awards. You do it because you love doing what you do, and if that happens, if that's a byproduct of you being good at what you do, so be it. You're not going to turn it down, but you're not doing things to get awards, and especially individual awards. Team awards, great. Individual awards, no. So I love that. The only aspect of that whole deal that you would maybe – take exception to, is that he's not about winning Super Bowls at all costs. Now, right. what does which all his dad, mean?
2: Which is from right. his dad. Yes. Right.
4: His dad said he didn't say it. Number one, he didn't say it. His father said it, that he's not about winning Super Bowls at all costs. Now, to me, all costs means you know, I prioritize my family. I don't prioritize the draft and ESPN and, and what I'm doing here. It's the family first, everything else second with business. Yep. Uh, you are the same way. Everybody yep. should be. There. So, if that's what he's talking about, that yep. your family's more important, he's just got married, family is more important to Trevor than anything else, including winning Super Bowls and playing football, that's great. That's what you want. So, to me, if you break it down, I don't have any problem with the yep. set at
2: all. And you know what happens, by the way? For most people who prioritize family above everybody else, you, me, most people we know, they don't get in trouble. You don't have to worry about them. You don't have to worry about their priorities. You don't have to worry about what's going on off the field. You don't have to worry about any of that because their priorities are in the right place. It doesn't mean he doesn't want to win Super Bowls. It doesn't mean he's not going to be a hard worker. He's been a hard worker his entire life. Mm-hmm. It just means there are other things in life. That's what the, the, There should be other things in life. If all you have in life... Is your profession or a singular passion? That's not good, Mel. I'm with you. I like this. I like this. makes me like this, him more, to be quite yeah, honest.
4: And I, and I agree. When I was single, before I met Kim, I was all this, a thousand percent. Right? A thousand percent. And guess what? I was better at it. As I got older, and Kim was part of it, and Lauren, I, yeah. Because then all of a sudden, you're not over analyzing everything. Yeah, you know, I would change or by my over analyze. Now you just whatever you feel, you go with. You don't know, yeah because you had too much time on your hands. Basically, that's yeah, all. That's you, good. you were that's single. A good point. It was it's that single, single yeah. driven entity was whatever you're doing. And I think for Trevor, now he's married, right? Was yeah. he 21 years old? 21? Right? Married? going to have a family? Yeah, I think that's what his father was saying. So, plus, it wasn't Trevor saying it anyway, but he knows his son better than anybody. Great. So to, it's basically, at this time of the year, Dari, there's so much, much to do about nothing that you will hear and see over yeah. the
2: next week and a half. Yeah. Uh, let's put it this way. Uh, the Jets were not suddenly licking their chops thinking they were going to have a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence because... The- I'm a burly 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 boy, burly 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 boy, burly 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 boy set for a battle in Baltimore, and on the inside, Swiss Skydiver, on the outside, Authentic, Johnny Begoi left-handed, Swiss Skydiver, Swiss Skydiver for a long left to go, Swiss Skydiver looking to make greatness history, another Philly bounding toward the 16th pole, and here's Authentic on the outside, answering the call head and head and nose and nose Swiss Skydiver and Robbie Alvarado, they've done it from Authentic.
0: Races powered by The Racing Biz, your independent voice for racing and breeding in the Mid Atlantic. On the web at TheRacingBiz.com. On the radio, on ESPN Richmond, it's Off to the Races. Here's
3: Nick Hahn. Uh, we're off to the races finally uh, on this Saturday morning. A little transitional issues here, but we're transitioning into the Triple Crown season in about five minutes. We'll have Ken McPeak and uh, here at the top of the show Daryl Wood will join us. It has been a huge week of racing news in Virginia and also in Maryland. Uh, The two big stakes races today, you heard Swiss Skydiver winning the Preakness. That's Ken McPeak training that horse, of course. But um, with uh, with uh, Ken McPeak trying to have at least one shot of entering the Kentucky Derby with Ken uh, King Fury today, Swiss Skydiver and Monomoy Girl hook up together in the. Apple uh, Apple Blossom at Oaklawn Park. Uh, Oaklawn also has a $1 million stakes race with the Oaklawn Handicap. So, two $1 million stakes races at Oaklawn today. Spectacular uh, racing this late spring at Oaklawn. Want to bring in Daryl Wood. And, Daryl, uh, this huge week of news has set racing afire, literally in Virginia, as they did the Turf Burn, uh, burn this week. Good morning.
6: Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, you mentioned it, Nick, and uh, I guess for for fans that uh, are uh, intrigued with uh, fire, uh, Colonial at its annual controlled burn of the Secretary of Turf Course out at New Kent, uh, this is the, the largest grass racing oval in the country. It's a mile and an eighth around and 180 feet wide, and when you set that entire uh, course ablaze, um, it's about a three-hour production and quite spectacular, too. And fans that are listening can watch the video of that. It's a condensed video on the Facebook pages of Colonial Downs and Virginia Horse Racing. But that was on on Tuesday. And uh, what it does, it brings the the course back in a in a in a greener and a and a lusher and a safer uh, version than it was. It's Bermuda grass, so right now it's charred. But within two, three weeks it's gonna be green And a month from now with the warm weather. And the uh, the sunshine, it will be, you know, ready to rock in time for the July nineteenth opening.
3: We want to touch. Yeah, it, it is a spectacular sight to see. If you've ever get have the opportunity to see it in person, you should do so. Uh, also, this was really late last week where we started to to learn about the uh, Chamora study, the economic impact study on Virginia horse racing and breeding that was released just before the show last week. Got a chance to dive into it a little bit more this week. We'll have Jeb Hannon on in the uh, about ten. Thirty-four or so to to talk with Frank Vespi about some of the ins and outs of this this study, but a, over a half billion dollar impact in uh, economic impact in 2019 alone, uh, the industry we've learned, and these are like the first real figures we've ever gotten in this. Um, <laughs> In, in this industry in terms of impact in virginia employing nearly 5300 people that's the that's how the breadth of the virginia horse racing industry in virginia i mean uh i know you're looking forward to seeing that but what were your thoughts when you first saw the numbers
6: i think everybody um our group the virginia equine alliance uh conducted this study uh, or hired Chimura to do it but Uh, There was concern, you know, concern because when Colonial Downs went out of business initially, in 2014, there was a gap of five years until racing returned in 2019. Even last year, there was a COVID shortage of race days with, I believe there was about six or seven total. So there was concern about what the impact of the closure uh, the lack of racing had, but I think everybody uh, was really extremely pleased with it. Uh, As we've talked about before, the thoroughbreds uh... have got a residency program where horses come into the state to be raised for six months six months standard breads are starting that now as well too racing is back the uh, rosie's gaming emporiums there's five now with more to come so the industry really is rebounded in a big 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 way and this is just great news to show that uh... the the numbers are reflected in it just the the impact that every horse in the in the commonwealth has every racehorse is uh, responsible for fourteen thousand dollars plus in impact per year. So it's uh, it's good news, and hopefully, legislatively, going down the road as sports betting comes into play, casinos come into play. This is something the racing industry can stand on and say, "Hey, we're we're players, and we need to be part of this uh, moving forward."
3: Yeah, if, if Jeb Hannon will be remembered of doing anything in Virginia, it's getting this study executed and, and performed big. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about these, not only uh, in the lead up to the Triple Crown, but through the summer during the meet at Colonial Downs. Just just a lot of good information in this study. Daryl, thanks for spending some time with us on Off to the Races. Uh, we're off to interview Ken McPeak. Uh, who you had, got it, Nick war dancer actually in 2013 the last Virginia Derby winner of Colonial Downs version 1.0 and um so while we're reaching out to ken mcpeak uh just wanted to give you maybe a brief we're going to try and get to some of these race replays in the upcoming shows as we preview the kentucky derby but the field is largely uh, defined uh there'll be some defections and nobody won't will be watching them more closely than mcpeak who currently has king fury uh on the on the list and uh Ken McPeak joins us now on Off to the Races, and uh, thanks for spending some time with us. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, talking with us this morning. Let's start off maybe uh, with uh, I just, I, we haven't had an opportunity to talk about Swiss Skydivers Preakness uh, since the last time we talked. You actually joined us on the morning of that race on Off to the Races, and, and uh, I want to just touch on such a special performance. I I'm on record saying that it was probably one of the more impactful races in the last decade, especially in the Triple Crown, considering who she was up against and what this horse did at Pimlico. Very simple question here. What were your thoughts on the race?
5: When she defeated Authentic, who couldn't have been yeah. happier with that? Um, you know, we knew that, we knew that she was going to run big that day, and um, you know, she needed the trip, and we were so disappointed in the Oaks. We felt like she really should have won that day. I think if we'd stayed inside, we'd do win that day. But um, you know, anytime you can knock down a race like the previous, it was ecstatic.
3: Just, just the way she had he she did it too. I mean, just you. Have you ever seen like horses? You see them hook up at the quarter pole, you know, maybe even in the turn, but they hooked up on the backstretch, I mean, they were like seven furlongs from home, six furlongs from home, uh, when they engaged each other and, and ran evenly the whole way. I mean, how common is that, uh, in racing? Not
5: too common. Um, you know, especially, you know, girl on the inside, boy on the outside. But, um, yeah, the way that race unfolded was amazing. And, um, certainly to be on the right side of that win was awesome. You know, um, I ran the apple blossom years ago, and against a Zeri a filly that had been on a long winning streak, and we got beaten right at the wire by about an inch. With uh, the take charge lady was another great filly that I had. So, so uh, to be on the right side of the, that photo was something.
3: And take charge lady in terms of earnings, still uh your most productive horse uh what an accolade for that horse but swiss skydiver could say something about that today in the apple blossom uh, yeah, coming off that preakness race she comes back and in, in races in the distaff obviously had to be disappointed and that was the first time uh, she had the opportunity to go up against monomoy girl uh but uh, a real impressive start at santa anita to start the 2021 campaign how how does the race set up for you today what are your thoughts on the apple blossom today
5: well she's a pace filly. i mean you got to get her in nice rhythm and when she got off bad in the breeders cup was unfortunate and we kind of lost all chance but um today we're just hoping she gets the weight clean and then she gets in nice what i call 12s rhythm and then gets a chance to make a run um you know she's obviously you know really really good filly, and um the pace of the race makes
6: everything so
3: let's see how it all unfolds King Fury is your candidate this year to make the uh, Kentucky Derby Field uh... (laughs) you know what are your what are your thoughts about um uh, you know king's fury trying to get into that kentucky derby uh you're right there on the fence i mean uh 2021 20, 22 depending on whose list you look at uh and and then of course the preakness is two weeks after the derby uh tell us a little bit about king fury
5: well um i, I do think this horse is sitting on a big one um i think if we could get into the field you know we'd be thrilled to um i'm not going to put much energy into um you know counting every day we're gonna we're gonna plan on entering if he if he's up to to making the field great and if he doesn't we'll go to the preakness um he's a really good horse he's doing exceptionally well right now and um it's a good position to be in derby preakness these kind of things you don't get that many chances but his race in the lexington was powerful and and um i think the mile and a quarter will be right up his alley and we need um a little bit of luck to get in, and if we get in, we'll need luck on the trip. It's um, it's a good horse, and hopefully, he gets a chance to show
3: himself. In the feature race at Keeneland today at the Elkhorn, you have Crafty Daddy. Not the, not the favorite or near favorite that Swiss Skydiver is, but uh, uh, thoughts on racing, you know, trying to go back to back weeks in the Saturday Stakes with Crafty Daddy today.
5: You know, he um, this is a really good horse. Um, He's never been tested at a mile and a half, so he's he's a big question mark. He If he breaks well and he's able to set the pace and um, save some punch for the last part of it, I think he'll run really well at a mile and a half. I'm excited to try him. Um, it's kind of a new dynamic with him. He's never, uh, he's never done this, so uh, it's hard to handicap him into the race because he's not done it. But I don't think he's going to have any trouble with it at all
3: going back to, uh, the Virginia Derby back in 2013, you brought War Dancer to Colonial Downs. Uh, you've, you've been a supporter of racing in Virginia over the years, of uh, you know, for the, for the stakes and, and even some other racing. What, what are your thoughts, that, uh, of, you know, this approaching summer and, and take us back to War Dancer back in, uh, in 2013. Well, um,
5: I do like racing over there. Um, I'm proud to have won their, the Oaks and the Derby. Um, And then, um, as far as this summer, we'll, I'm sure we're going to be shipping something over. We'll have to figure the stake schedule and see what kind of races they've got for some young horses. Um, we've got a lot of young horses in the system that are getting ready. And once they're, um, once they're in a position where they're ready to go, I'm sure I'll look at the condition book, um, and, you know, maybe pull a trigger on a few.
3: Great. Yeah, well, we're going to be looking forward to that and hopefully seeing your horses at Colonial Downs this summer. Uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us on Off to the Races this morning, and, and good luck in, with uh, the feature today against Monomoy Bo- Girl and the Apple Blossom. And, of course, we hope to see King Fury get into that derby field as well, uh, to see that repeat performance, maybe similar to Charismatic perhaps, coming off of the Lexington and winning the derby for you. Thanks for spending some time exactly. with us on Off to the Races. All right. Take care. Great, Ken McPeak, joining us from uh, I think he's in Oakland. Uh, there for the big race today, where the temperatures are going to be ideal. A little bit overcast, but 50 degrees, uh, perfect for for the horses running out there. That uh, TV. For all the Saturday stakes, Fox Sports 2, beginning at 5 p.m. and continuing till 8. So uh, they'll get all the racing in at Oaklawn there. We're going to head to break on Off to the Races. When we come back, we'll catch up with Frank Vespi as um, we turn to take a closer look to this this study uh, that was released uh, earlier this month. You're listening to Off to the Races.
0: like a blink and suddenly all my business shifted to e-commerce
7: now my business hours are whenever my customers need me
8: my customers want everything now and faster than ever
7: it's a whole different world your business is changing the united states postal service is changing with it we're bringing you fast reliable shipping nationwide and we're bringing it right when your
0: customers need it let's discover new routes visit usps.com slash new routes the united states postal
7: service priority
0: you Peace and Justice,
4: the fastest son of Warfront standing in Pennsylvania. From the family of champion What a Treat and legendary Coolmore Sire, Be My Guest. At Stud, Peace and Justice has 40% winners from starters, including stakes winner Like a Salt Shaker, plus Louis Law, Smoke'em Peace Pipe, and Italian Twin, a recent winner at Gulfstream. Peace and Justice, a brilliant miler by Super Sire Warfront, standing for just $3,500 at Blackstone Farm in Pennsylvania.
8: Hey everybody, it's Mitchell Bradley. We've all had that dream. Tie game, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, while on FanDuel Sportsbook you get more than one shot to swing for the fences because FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free. That's right, new users get up to $1,000 back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win, and it only gets better from there. Once you have an account, you'll have access to same-game parlay insurance all season long. That's up to $25 back in site credit each day if your same-game parlay bet falls one leg short. There's a reason FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app's simple to use. They've got great odds on all different betting markets. Unite fun bet types like Same Game Parlay and Always On Promotions to let you get more out of the action every day. So join me and so many of my friends who have downloaded the FanDuel Sportsbook app. When you sign up, use promo code Mitch to get it on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code Mitch. You must be 21 and up in President Virginia. First online real money wager only for risk-free bet. Refund issued is non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 Gambler.
4: Attention. Do you owe back taxes, fines, and penalties to the IRS? The IRS now offers new relief options for taxpayers affected by COVID-19, but you can't go it alone. Call Tax Solutions now. Our team of former IRS agents and tax professionals can get you the best deal. So if you owe $10,000 or more, this is the best time in years to settle your tax debt. Call 800-513-3730, 800-513-3730, 800-513-3730.
8: Where can you find a high-quality, locally hand-built mattress at a factory-direct value? Only here at the Original Mattress Factory. Our factory-direct business model allows us to provide a better quality mattress at a better price when compared to mainstream mattress brands. That's because we manufacture our mattresses in our local factories and sell them directly to you eliminating the middleman markup and saving you money. And we can provide fast local delivery as well as pickup seven days a week at our factory location. Visit an original mattress factory location near you. Diamonds Direct's spectacular store-wide spring sale is on. Now for a limited time. Get an extra 20% savings on virtually everything. Rings, earrings, pendants, eternity bands, colored gemstones, gorgeous designer jewelry. It's our first spring sale in two years, and we're breaking all the rules. Top designers have flown in their entire collections with each piece on sale. 20% savings off Diamonds Direct's already unbeatable value price. We're talking extreme value. Shop online or in-store. Even open this Sunday noon till 5. Diamonds Direct, proud sponsor of UBA Athletics. In short pump.
6: Sign up for Richmond Kickers Plus to receive discounts on game tickets, merchandise, access to exclusive
8: Kickers content.
0: So what's your favorite thing about sports? The excitement, the action, or the 5-8 pizza and cold six-pack? Bingo. That's what we thought. 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. ESPN.
3: of the races I'm your host Nick Hahn and uh, joining up here with our features with Frank segment uh, this morning Frank has Jeb Hannon the executive director of the Virginia Equine Alliance uh, and we'll be uh, interviewing Jeb about the economic impact of the Virginia horse racing and breeding industry in Virginia a long-awaited study that was released uh, earlier this month Frank good morning
1: Good morning, Nick. Good to uh, good to join you this morning.
3: Yeah, uh, have Jeb sitting here waiting, so I'll just uh, hand it off to you here, and uh, looking forward to hearing so much more about this study.
1: All right, sounds good, Jeb. As Nick said, is the executive director of the Virginia Equine Alliance, that's a group that represents all sectors of the horse racing industry: flat, steeplechase, harness, the whole, the whole shlemiel the vea recently released a study detailing the economic impact nick had talked about that a little bit earlier of the horse racing industry in virginia coming up with a total of 542 million dollars in economic impact jeb welcome to the program let me start you with this what was the what was the impetus behind getting this study done
7: yes um yeah thank you um so, we had, you know, we spent a lot of time down in Richmond talking to the state uh, legislators. And, you know, we um, we'd always kind of had a feeling for what the economic impact, um, you know, is. And, but we never really had a number for it. And, you know, it, it's difficult. Um, you know, a lot of the legislators, why they might sort of have a good feeling about racing and, and sort of think fondly about secretariat you know, not, not a lot of them are particularly knowledgeable about our industry, which is fine. So that's our job to educate them. But it was difficult because we just didn't have any good, solid numbers that we could share. And so that was particularly important um, for us to be able to tell our story and back it up with some good, solid numbers. And, um, you know, so we, it's something we've been thinking about it for a long time um, since the B E a started. And it just seemed like we kind of had to just do it, and like everything in the world, things were so complicated by COVID, but when we when we look back on it, we really didn't feel that 2019 was that dramatically impacted by COVID in the sense that the horses were already there and the activity was taking place. The the colonial meat was obviously cut short, and we took that into account, but we felt like we sort of had a window because it was going to be, a, you know we we sort of felt like we'd have to wait a couple years to do it if we didn't do it in 2019 so um that was sort of the, the background for the thinking and uh, we're very pleased with the results and yeah you mentioned half a billion dollars and and that's you know um i think a very robust number and just speaks to um how the racing industry affects so many aspects of the state's agricultural economy and um you know, we've received good feedback from legislators, from the Department of Agriculture, from the Racing Commission, already, and just um, getting the report out. So, you know, the response has been very enthusiastic, which we expected it would be.
1: And you say five hundred and forty-two million, a half billion dollars—that's a lot of money. Is there uh, what surprised you about the data that you were able to get through this study?
7: Um, you know, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think the tax revenue number was is important. You know, that's a little over $25 million is flowing to localities. You know, that was something that, you know, it, it's just good to sort of know. You know, the, four, the we found that the average amount that horsemen were spending on their horses was about $14,000, which probably is a little bit light, quite frankly. Um, you know, so that's, that's a good number um but you know you know we we saw about five thousand people employed if you take into account all the different aspects of the industry and the gaming side of things so it just um i don't think there was any one thing that really sort of shocked us but i but the numbers sort of supported the general sort of feeling we had about kind of where we where we stand as, as an industry and um again, it just is very helpful for us. And, you know, in five years from now, or 10 years from now, you know, we can do it again. And, and we would expect that it would, um, you know, it would it would obviously grow. Now it's important to point out with any of these studies that, you know, the numbers, we you, the numbers are computed only on the numbers that are provided. So it's sort of a goes without saying, but, you know, we we do feel that this study probably underestimates the the impact, because we do know there were some farms that, for whatever reason, just didn't get around to getting their numbers into us, and that happens whenever you do these things. Um, but, you know, this is a sort of a conservative look um, at, at kind of where we are, which is even more encouraging to think. Um, so it uh, overall was, a I think, a very good exercise for us to have carried out.
1: One of the things that, that uh, stood out to me was uh, the study found that over 900 horses in Virginia are involved in the incentive programs, which are the Virginia bred program and the Virginia certified program, and that most of those were were out of state horses. They're horses that are people send it, that people are sending in to stay in Virginia to participate in the programs. <laughs> That really seems to suggest to me... I mean, that, that seems like a really good sign that those programs are doing what they're supposed to do. Is that is that how you read that?
7: Yes, and, and the, the Virginia Residency Program or the, the Certified Program has been enormously um, successful, and it, it, it's a great program because we're not competing with the other state programs. So, you know, if you're in Maryland and you've been, you know breeding maryland breads for you know for 20 years or for two years you know you can keep doing that just but if you send your horse down to virginia um and it it spends six months in virginia before the horse turns two then you've got a maryland bred who will benefit from all those all the benefits of that program and then that horse will also um being virginia certified will benefit from the bonuses um for wins throughout the mid-atlantic region so that's very unique. Um, and again, so the, the Pennsylvanians aren't, you know, you know, the Pennsylvanians, the Marylanders, the West Virginians, you know, everybody, um, still gets to sort of maintain their programs. We're not trying to undermine them. We're just adding value, uh, to horses in the mid-Atlantic region. And so it's been great. And the nice, the other nice thing about it is it, it's getting money to all these farms that, you know, really have sort of struggled over the last, you know, five and six years when the track closed. And, you know, we all know that, you know, it's nice to win a big race, but, you know, there's so many people behind the scenes, the people that are breaking the horses and they aren't necessarily benefiting from the big purses. And so with the Middleburg Training Center, just for example, right around the corner from where I am up in Falkirk County, um, the Middleburg Training Center's um, got, you know, got barns full of horses, just doing the residency program. And those are keeping those Horsemen going, and, and so it's really getting money to trickle down through all the different horsemen in the state, and that's really important. And this really firms up, um, you know, the foundations for you know us to grow as a as a state. And so we've been delighted with how that's played out.
1: Talking with Jeb Han, I'm executive director of the Virginia Equine Alliance, which just released a study detailing the economic impact of racing on the state of Virginia. You can find that release on the racingbiz.com. Jeb, uh one of the things I was curious is is there information or or things you learned in this report that that maybe you know, I know you've said this will be important for for making the case for for racing to the legislature which makes a lot of sense. Are there things that you find that, that sort of maybe Point you to a way forward, or say like, "Gee, there's a that suggests we need to work on this, or we need to advocate for this kind of legislation, or we need to make this change." Is there any of that kind of stuff in here for you?
7: Well, what I what I think it does is, you know, we know that with the casinos coming on board, that there's going to be a lot of competition. Um, the, the state did a study; uh, it was two years ago where they expected that the effect to racing and the, the historical horse racing machines would be about a 45% reduction. Um, and so, you know, here we've got some numbers before the casinos came on board with HHR machines operating. And so this gives us sort of a, a good benchmark. So that'll be very important to be able to see what the impact is when the casinos come on board. Um, The other thing that I think is important is, is again, as I mentioned, the the tax revenue for the localities, um, you know, there's still some more OTBs that can be opened in the state. So Virginia allows 10 OTBs, and so there are a few more localities where we could have OTBs, and and this gives us the opportunity to point to, you know, the, the money that will flow to localities if they have OTBs, and so that's important as well. So... Um, Again, I just think this gives us a lot of credibility as we point to, um, you know, our story, um, which is, you know, which is very which is very strong. And, you know, the agricultural economy um, really benefits from a robust racing industry. And and we, you know, see that. And that's the same story that's told in in all states where there's racing. Um, But we just need to have good numbers behind it and, and be able to articulate it.
1: All right. And, and uh, I, I guess one other good sign is, you know, with the rebirth of Colonial, you, you're, this year they're scheduled to have their, their longest meet since they were came back into being in 2019. And that should mean more betting and more revenue as well.
7: Yeah, I know. We're all looking forward to it. And, um, you know, it'll be 21 days. Um, the HBPA is hoping that they'll be at 500000 a day. Uh, Frank Petramalos, is the executive director of the HBPA and his board have been working really hard um, on, you know, the condition book with Jill Byrne and her team at, at the track. And um, so everybody's, you know, really looking forward to it. They're excited about it. There's a really good steak schedule. Um, the stakes for the Virginia breads are, you know, posted as well. And so it's a good opportunity for everybody, and, you know, it's just a wonderful turf course. I saw some drone footage the other day where they're, they're burning it right now, which is, um, you know, which is getting it all set up, and uh, so we're looking forward to it. And then we'll have our harness racing out in Shenandoah in September and October. Uh, the steeplechase meets will be racing this year with sort of limited spectators and hopefully, you know, in, in sort of more normal circumstances. In the fall, so you know, just like so many things in the world, we're, we're just sort of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, and things are slowly becoming a little bit more normal. Um, so, fingers crossed, you know, it'll it'll be continue to go in that direction.
1: Fingers crossed, indeed. All right, Jeb Hanum, good stuff and interesting study. Learn more at at theracingbiz.com or virginiahorseracing.com. Jeb, thanks so much for joining us this morning.
7: Thank you very much. Appreciate being on. Bye bye.
1: All right, Nick, that was Jeb Hannam an interesting study and, and and good news for Virginia Racing.
3: Yeah, it, it, a couple things caught my eye. Uh, uh, the, there's a chart in the study that shows the location of where all the racehorses are by locality. And it was, I was kind of surprised that Admiral put up such a big number the lo, locality that I'm in uh, to, over you know, somewhere around 9%. Of course, northern Virginia you would expect and uh, even down in, in Richmond of uh, Chesterfield County and, and Hanover County. Uh, that Charlotte, that Admiral number doesn't they even inclo- include like the ingleside training center so it, it, it's just uh it's good to finally have arms around it nothing like this has been done specifically for the horse industry in a generation maybe longer maybe if ever so uh it, it's it's real good information that helps the uh industry know a little bit more about itself yeah absolutely right <laughs> I want to change uh, change your role here, Frank, from interviewer to interviewee. As uh, it's as good as a week it's been in Virginia. It's been just the opposite uh, up in Maryland. As uh, as they've had to make some adjustments, uh, Laurel. They've dealing with COVID, dealing with a, a equine herpes uh, breakout, uh, and now dealing with a racing surface issue. That's you know. Going to bring Pimlico back to the scene earlier than expected. Uh, might need that track after all. <laughs> uh, you know, tell us what's happening up in Maryland with with the news about the Laurel meet coming to a quick end.
1: Yeah, it's been a. It, it has been a tough. Uh month and a half now for for horsemen in maryland and uh, as you mentioned there was the equine herpes virus outbreak which cost them some racing days which which complicated things in all sorts of ways now the latest is, is uh the tracks are supposed to be coming out of quarantine this weekend on the ehv so that's good news unfortunately they've had some issues with the racing strip at laurel and they've had a lot of horsemen have expressed a lot of concern about it and finally the maryland jockey club decided this week to uh cancel racing at laurel over the weekend which was supposed to take place uh, today tomorrow and monday and to end the spring meet there altogether and shift operations to pimlico starting april 22nd which is about two weeks earlier than originally anticipated so uh The good news is, as you mentioned, they still have the two tracks, so they're able to kind of call an audible and shift operations to Pimlico. The bad news is that they're going to have to spend a lot of money and really kind of peel, you know, pull up the racing strip at Laurel right down to the base and redo it all in the next several weeks to get it ready for for when racing ends at Pimlico and they come back. It's. it's a big operation i was on a call yesterday about it it is a big operation it, it means complications for horsemen complications for the racetrack it's um, certainly something you, you you wish you could do you wish they, they'd figured out a way to do it in sort of a planned manner but it's better to do it now and do it right than than uh you know put any horses or horsemen at risk
3: yeah, just sorry to learn about that. And, of course, we got the Preakness about this time next month. So hopefully uh, things will settle there in, in Maryland because uh, there, there are training impacts. There's, there are all kinds of uh, issues that, that have uh, come up. So it, it they'll get through it, but it sounds like it's going to be a rough couple of weeks in, in Maryland until they catch up. Thanks, Frank. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next week as we uh, are right around the corner from the Triple Crown.
1: All right. Sounds great, Nick. Thank you.
3: Frank Vespe joining us on Off to the Races this morning. And uh, that means you know who comes up here in this block uh, and hears a little bit of his intro music uh, as uh, Black Oak uh, brings in Derby Bill Watson, the big Jim Dandy. bringing it back for a second week upon request and Derby Bill now joins us on Off to the Races, where we'll have the opportunity to handicap the Apple Blossom here, the 11th race on the card, going off uh, roughly about 6.09 as they have that set. And then the Oaklawn Handicap is a great race as well. Eight horses coming to the gate here. Owendale, uh, a horse known pretty well as racing in the Triple Crown in this field, but with the favorite being Express Train. we hadn't even really t- touched on that race. But Derby Bill, um, wanted to maybe get your thoughts, not only about, uh, b- before we get into the racing ahead, but what's, uh, today, tell us a little bit about your thoughts, as as we know a lot more about the Derby field being set.
9: Well, first off, the uh, Black Oak Arkansas, I appreciate it. Johnny Cash is the uh, saying, apple blossom special, so. That's a little tribute today, and he's from Arkansas, so for the Apple Blossom Stakes, I'm dedicating my pick to Johnny Cash. Uh, as far as the Derby, it's just an ever-ending and ever-changing, never-ending and ever-changing. Concert on tour, out today, scratched, uh, headed to Baltimore. Baltimore's field is just picking up. Baltimore might be might need an auxiliary gate for the Preakness, as most of, a lot of these horses are skipping the Derby. Uh, and targeting the uh, shorter Freakness, but a concert on towards Bafford's horse, so that uh, allows another one in, and um, maybe you get down to, uh, the Fury gets in, maybe, possibly. They, uh, Hidden Stash got in this week, and we know Hidden Stash is, uh, um, a birthday gift horse with an owner that coaches Syracuse basketball, <laughs> Jim Beheim. So, uh, a very interesting uh, background for uh, the Derby, even though we're losing a few horses. Yeah,
3: I always like that connection when uh, basketball interests come up in in racing like that. And and uh, yeah, t- it was maybe a tough tournament for uh, Syracuse, hoping the the maybe the Triple Crown. Hey, actually, kind of well, makes me more stash. of a Syracuse fan.
9: Learning that, you know. Well, hidden stash is appropriate in the NCAA with the. Uh, things that have been going on the last couple of years or is that
3: hidden mustache i thought you'd make a reach for that gonzaga joke there with uh with timmy there um let's look at your your pick is uh, uh, dedicated to johnny cash here in the uh, apple blossom only a field of six they've they've kind of this seems to happen at arkansas they get only six horses but very talented uh, fields and, and great races for those six. Uh, Swiss Skydiver two to the one we we spoke with Ken McPeak earlier in the show. We hadn't really touched much on Monomoy Girl, who is um, fourteen of sixteen lifetime, and uh, you look down on her sheet. She's she's all one. She actually has that that head to head against a Swiss Skydiver um, from the the Breeders' Cup Distaff uh, that was run about. About four or five months ago at uh, Keeneland. So, uh, who do you like? Who is who is Johnny Cash uh, going to cash with
9: today? Well, Johnny Cash always likes the Phillies, so it's appropriate. <laughs> the Apple Blossom is full of some a couple class Phillies there. Yeah, the ones you mentioned, Squish Skydiver, I like a little bit. He lost him Magnolia the Girl uh, back in the Breeders' Cup, but since then he came back, and behold and just ran them down in the behold very well. And uh, again, McPeak was on the show today, so I'm going to put my money. Plus, he's two to one instead of the mahogany girl, probably go off three to five or, you know, with only five horses in there. This will be pounded Swiss Skydiver and mahogany girl are the only two that are going to get a lot of the money here in pick threes and pick fours with a short field. horse called Latruska is the only long shot that has any chance that those two uh, uh, find some flaw in the uh, Arkansas corned beef. So uh, looks like a pretty easy Swiss Skydiver bet for me, Nick, and dedicated to Arkansas's Johnny Cash.
3: Yeah, Swiss Skydiver, your pick there. I I, kind of like Swiss Skydiver. You know, that Breeders' Cup distaff, I think that Preakness just... How could it not take so much out of uh, Swiss Skydiver, even though you had, you know, several weeks to, to prepare for it? I just, um, I think Swiss Skydiver is going to be up to the task. You mentioned Latruska four to one, some kind of long shot there, but that's what you get in this field. Uh, in the Oaklawn handicap, a sneaky good race, a million dollar race, uh, going a mile and an eighth here with a lot of veterans, Silver State and Express Train. I mentioned uh, Owendale earlier earlier in the show and Todd Pletcher has Fearless a Ghost Zapper gelding okay. um, that could be a threat with Irad Ortiz uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, Oaklawn?
9: yeah much more favorable wagering race uh, than the uh, Apple Blossom this one uh, the handicap also a million dollar race which is uh, amazing you know still in the and nowadays this was the theme. fame I think Zanada won this race for uh uh, for the trainer of uh, Express Train here so I'm going to go with Express Train, second in grade one to uh, Idle uh, last time out of Santa Anita, way out west. ship's in uh, for Johnny Sheriff who had uh, Zenyatta and this one's Express Train I'm not seeing not a lot of value in that one so I'm going for the Tri-Pact and the, and the uh exacto, which is uh, Warrior Warrior Gaming is Brad Cox is absolutely red hot. He's six to one, and Silver Prospector, who was second to uh, Mystic Guide in Dubai, I mean that is a monster performance considering Mystic Dubai's big uh, Dubai uh, cash. So Silver Prospector, three horses: Nick uh, Express Train, Warrior, and uh, Silver Prospector. Could get you about a hundred dollar trifecta, or you know, maybe a fifty dollar exacta. A lot better than betting the uh, apple blossom, which is better just to watch today. Yeah, an
3: opportunity to put an exacta box there, and you'll be happy with those payouts if uh, Derby Bill cashes through with these. Almost identical racing conditions uh, for. Lexington for uh, uh, Lexington, Kentucky uh, at Keeneland today, as as they'll have it, uh, Oaklawn Park in, in Arkansas with 50 degrees, maybe a slightly higher chance of rain, uh, but not much. 10 percent cloudy, overcast, good running weather for these horses. Uh, the Elkhorn is a mile and a half on the turf. Uh, big long race where you have cross border coming in say the word uh craft daddy we heard a little bit from ken mcpeak earlier in the show about about that horse um tied to the sea for michael maker uh is you know had two real good performances in 2021 so far the favorite is bill uh Bill Mott's Horse Red Knight with uh, with James Graham aboard today. What are your thoughts on the Elkhorn?
9: Well, uh, cross-border the one and the five Mary Glenn uh, are drying out today from overnight activities in Giemland. Not a big party last night, I guess. So two horses scratched there. The one and the five uh, cross-border actually had a shot, or might have had several shots last night if he's not going <laughs> to run. <laughs> But I'm going with the horse you might be familiar with, Nick. A big long shot here, and we hit some long shots this spring on the road to the Derby. North Dakota, number seven, 10-to-1, powerful stretch runner. And as you just mentioned, a mile and a half will wear out a lot of horses. This one has been key. He won the Red Smith with a come-from-behind style that will be needed at a mile and a half here. The favorite is uh, Red Knight, um, but he's actually been beaten by North Dakota. North Dakota. What I meant is he won a Colonial Downs, an allowance race last oh, How about year. that? Yeah. And then the year before he ran. The year before he ran at Colonial Downs, and he didn't win that one. But you know, this two-time run, runner in, in the uh, state of Virginia, and then moving on out. Uh, I like him. Mile and a half, ten to one. I really like so North Dakota and the Elk. Elkhorn Stakes as uh, Healin is drying out from monsoon races, monsoon rain last week. So it should be very nice conditions there today.
3: Yeah, uh, good find there with North Dakota and has an opportunity, like you said, in this uh, mile and a half turf race. Uh, what were your thoughts from the racing last week here? K- kind of Derby Bill in the last moments of the show. King Fury's performance, a little bit of a, of a shocker there. And then uh, the Superstock winning the Arkansas Derby, uh, putting concert tour on the Preakness path. Uh, what were your thoughts from that racing action last week?
9: Good backstories coming up the next couple weeks to tune into the radio show. I mean, just a monster tour, monster prep race season, verbonic. 71, 72 to 1 in the wood. Weyburn, 46 to 1 in the coffin. King Fury trying to get in the derby, won the Lexington last week. They might squeeze in with these late scratches like concert on tour. Helium, 15 to 1, the Tampa Bay Derby. And Superstock, Arkansas Derby, 12 to 1. Left a lot of pockets in need of cash. So they got to tune in the next couple weeks, Nick.
3: Yeah, we'll be uh, looking forward to that. And uh, thank you, Derby Bill, for your picks. Have a good week and good luck today with Swiss Skydiver. I want to thank Daryl Wood, Ken McPeak, Jeb Hannon, Frank Vespey, and, of course, Derby Bill for uh, being on the show today. And uh, looking forward to, uh, we'll recap, try and set the table. Opening day at Churchill Downs is next Saturday. How about that? Um, Close to the Derby. 14 days away from Derby. So thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us on Off to the Races. We'll see you again next week, 10 o'clock post-time.
8: law firm studios your personal injury attorneys 995 and 1027 ESPN
6: wXGI Richmond WT <laughs>